happy Monday and welcome to Adam versus the Man. We are back after a wonderful weekend on the road, and we are still on the road. That's right. We are coming to you live this morning from Redding, California, with this wonderful. What color is this? Some brown, taupe, uh, skin tone, uh. Makeup number five, background, yes, listen, we are coming to you from a hotel that shall remain anonymous in Redding, California. I am with my wife. We are driving from L.A. up to Seattle to visit family and then to Williston, North Dakota, then Cheyenne and home. And uh, we got a, we have got a lot to cover today. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a weekend full of news, believe it or not. I'm watching the Producers Club chat like, holy crap, this did things all of a sudden get really busy in the world, or are we just, like, getting really good at covering it? And by the way, if you don't know what we do for Anna versus the Man to put this show together to make sure that we get, we do our, our journalistic responsibility, uh, and I don't mean as most people in America who professionally identify as journalists today, to pass on the propaganda of the establishment, but to give you an accurate view of, of what's going on in the world and empowering viewpoint, of course, the title for today's show, Make Your Own Reality. Is that is that what we've come to in the Trump world? I just want to I just wanted to examine this this subject for just a second here today, as we make our own reality, as we put together what what we think is important in the world for you and help make your own reality. Of course, you have to judge for yourself and not take anything spoon fed without questioning. This is critical in moving humanity forward, as, as we see on, on Adam versus the Man, as we look at governments around the world critically, they, they all depend on a certain amount of delusion in order to continue. And I, I, I wonder, I mean, I, 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 the, the last year, it's been kind of tough in the sense of uh, maintaining my faith in humanity, my sense in, in, of the long-term progress that humanity dances forward. And one of the reasons I see that is because there's this new make-your-own-reality attitude in the Trump era. And for all the demographics that Trump appeals to, still, yeah, believe it or not, not appealed, past tense, appeals to, I wonder if there's a sinking in of this make-your-own-reality stuff. I mean, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do a promos. We're going to get into headlines. But there are a couple, I just, I just kind of want to get out of the way with this topic at the beginning. like Because there's just dumb, 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 dumb political headlines in the situation we find ourselves in right now. And I don't know if this is true. I mean, I, I, this is the, I, my my takeaway from the news is based on what I see in the mainstream media, what people send me in the producers club as a, as a counterpoint to that. Uh, my boots on the ground experience traveling around the country, always, always relevant. But we, we've we covered recently, like, you know, could we all be living in a matrix? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Now, I, I've, I've come down uh, on the side of no, 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 this is reality. And one of the things I think it's, it's really important is as long as we keep in mind a certain intellectual humility that, that we are, in the sense of observing reality, hard-headed objectivists. And, and, and I hate to use that term because there's so many 
other connotations and things that go along with that I'm not trying to apply here. But then we look at reality, assuming that there is a reality that is a common shared reality, that we're not all bodies plugged into some matrix somewhere with a different realities being beamed into our heads. But there's this, again, this, this thing about Trump. Are we learning a new kind of denial? A new kind of make your own reality? There is something unique. Like, I'm, and I'm not here to take sides in in the the internecine fighting between the red flavored statism faction of the American fascist party or blue flavored fascism side. No, I don't. I don't, I don't care. But I, I, I do have to look at Trump and say. There, there may have been some lasting disastrous effects, and, and, and again, is he going to, is he going to, is he going to concede? Is he going to back out of the office? Is, is, is something bigger going to happen? Like I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying watching from a distance and not having to fight this out as if it matters. Because does it, does it really matter for the long term of freedom, whether it's Trump or Biden? No. No. Humanity marches forward dances forward, regardless of what figurehead has claimed the top spot in the exploitation racket. And that fight over that top spot, that personality-driven political contest, so so destructive, holding us back. This thing about Trump, though, making his own reality, it, I, I wouldn't be concerned if Trump was just another, you know, homeless dude in an alley in New York going... All right, this is our president now. There were a million people at my inauguration. There were a million people at my million mega march. No, all right. But we still don't know where this is going. The headline from the Associated Press today, our first one, CJ, Trump seems to acknowledge Biden win, but he won't concede. Yeah, sure. You can lose the election and just still say, well, like we. Now, this is an acknowledgement. What is it from the Associated Press is saying that Trump Trump is uh, uh, seems to acknowledge Biden win but won't concede? I, I mean, the framing of this is this making somebody else's reality, or is this is this a fair view of reality? I mean, you can't from from what what we expect today of our of our, our journalistic sources. I mean, even here with Adam versus the man. If I, if I want a bigger picture on the world, if I want news that covers this, do I get it from independent media? Are we there yet? Not, 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 not quite. So I'm forced to look at something like this from Associated Press. President Donald Trump on Sunday appeared to acknowledge for the first time that Joe Biden won the White House, but made clear he would not concede and would keep trying to overturn the election result. Trump's statements came in tweets that included several basis claims about the November 3rd vote which state and federal officials say was safe and secure. And again, i got to point out the Trump genius. It, it, it's truly, <clears throat> it is, for someone in his position trying to do what he's doing, of, of deceit, this is, his, his, his messaging here is brilliant. Say, say, when he says things like, uh, the, the election, there, there was election fraud. Yeah, no shit, there was election fraud. There's election fraud in every American election of this scale. I can't say average because I'm sure there's been some dog capture election that nobody cared to cheat on. But other than that, 
you look at every presidential race, every major congressional race, Senate, governor, et cetera, yeah, there's fraud. So Trump comes out and says there's fraud, there's fraud. And the mainstream media attacks him as if as if he's one of them. And this is, this is a, a journalistic claim. But Trump has created a new space for himself, for the presidency, for politicians that, that only barely existed before Trump. He has carved out the space where you can you just kind of use words your own way. And, you know, and, and honestly, the mainstream media has played into this, has made it possible and encouraged Trump. Trump says there's fraud. The mainstream media doesn't go, well, technically he's right, there's fraud. But if he's implying that there's widespread fraud that caused him to lose and Biden to win, no, he's lying, he's wrong. They don't, they skip that nuance. And in doing so, discredit themselves. In that case, Trump has done, you know, cases like that, Trump has done an amazing job of setting up the media. And his supporters go, no, no, we want to talk Trump. We don't want to talk, we don't want to talk objective means, even though it's more more accurate, more more precise. We want to live in this, and by the way, and we set up, we're ready to set up some Trump snowflakes here. Yeah. Uh, remember, as, as, we, as we made abundantly clear, now, last week's adverse the man, Republican tears taste just as good as Democrat tears. So when I see a headline like this, Trump seems to acknowledge Biden. By, by the way, he said, um, you know, we, we, he won in the eyes of the media. That's what Trump said. And the media's going, oh, oh, you acknowledge that Biden won. And it's this, mm, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it was silly rhetorical twist with the mainstream media trying, trying to go after Trump. Look, he acknowledged that he won. That's, that's really not going to do it. Now, we go to cron.com. I know it's a little weird. You're kind of, kind of combination warm opener, cold opener day, but I, I really just want to get this out and set the stage. And, and we, we want to do it for, for the rest of today's show. We have. Uh, Mercedes Comet, Mercedes Freedom, joining us from Nebraska this morning. And CJ, our producer, says we're having a call-in contest today. So uh, best caller wins membership in the Adam vs. the Man Producers Club. And uh, if you want to buy your way in, of course, go to AdamVsTheMan.com. Find us on Patreon. $10 a month gets you membership in the Producers Club. And this is, a, this is a really – I mean, this is how I do prep for the show is I look at what people are sending me in the Producers Club. It's a really fun conversation. It's a great way to be a part of the show, be an active, engaged member of the audience. But let's do, I don't know, CJ wants to do best caller. I, I mean, I always like to keep our contest a little more intellectually driven than that. Mercedes asks, who is Dallas Jones? I don't know. Is that is that someone comment? Mercedes, Mercedes so, yeah, is watching so the comments. I am watching the comments. <laughs> I'm doing my job. So Naomi says, Dallas Jones was just arrested. I don't know who that is. I Googled his name. Um, if he was just arrested, I didn't find anything. So that's what I was asking in the producer's chat. But, yeah, like I am a status says, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Bella Stavis. I know I popped in because producers trip, but yeah, it's just everybody saying good morning. There's some, um, who is it? Kareem thinks that we are in the matrix. It really exists um, and can be created by subjective imagination. Well, so this is so, this is the really, really important part of the of the theme of today's show that I, I want to recognize. I think this is like a, just an important part of Adam versus the man staying up on what's going on in the world. You know, like why 
Do, do we see these different realities in conflict? And there, there, there are sort of two things that, that I, I, I don't want to say grapple with, but I, I, I have to keep functioning, you know, simultaneously in, in sometimes seeming internal conflict and opposition here. And that one, we, we all create our own realities. Like that's 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 a reality, or just that's a reality. This is part of my reality that you will accept. <laughs> God damn it! No, this so is dimension. This is this is a feature of consciousness, right? When you think about it, like just you are a brain. You are this this you know squishy sponge of biological matter right around this body. Your soul. You want to take on, you want to incorporate that into your, your reality. You are an eternal soul seated in a human brain box oh. uh, in, 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 in this monkey body walking around this rock, third rock from the sun, floating around in space. And you go, okay, well, we, how do we know that? Do we, do we know any, do we know any of that through observation? No, no, that's, that's, there's a lot of, you know, evidence that goes into that understanding of reality. But within that, you know, our, our image of ourselves, am I, am I this, am I just this, this picture on the screen right here? Like, is this, is this me? You know, what, what, do I even look like I look to myself to other people? No, I don't. And you don't look to other people the way that you look to yourself, either in physical reality or as a person in spiritual reality and subjective reality that we create in our heads. We all do this, and yet at the same time, I'd like to think that, that you know, and I am an objectivist, not not a not a closed objectivist like Ayn Rand was right about everything, but I, I'm an objectivist in the sense that I appreciate her <clears throat> the methodology that that uh, Ayn Rand in, indicated, uh, discovered, illuminated for us in her uh, understanding of objectivism. But it's a process. It's not a conclusion or a set of conclusions that counts. It's the process that gets you there, right? And the process of of creating that reality for yourself that you can live in. So with Trump, I, I mean, back to the, back to the immediate subject of the day. This this next alley, we're going to go back and forth for a while this morning, apparently, before we get into some callers and our big pile of headlines here. But this this next headline from Prawn.com: The ending of Trump's presidency echoes the beginning. With a lie. <laughs> now, again, when when you acknowledge that you have created your own reality, and, and you know, Adam, why is Adam waxing philosophical on this point today? And it's not just because I'm thinking about the episode we did a few weeks ago, where we really dove deep into this idea: could you be living in a simulation? Could this all be a, a matrix kind of experience? Um, and 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 there's something about the intellectual capabilities, flexibilities of, of libertarians when you acknowledge, oh, shit, I was wrong. Like, there's some really powerful, like, you know, there are those few second-generation libertarians, even for them, you know, maybe they're, they're born with this ability. But for those of us who, who wake up to libertarianism over the course of our lives, and, in, and for those of you that know my story, uh, volunteering to go to a war based on a lie, being a party to war crimes in Iraq, that was a major part of my awakening experience. And so I, excuse me, you know, when when you're willing to risk your life for a lie, but you didn't know it was a lie, because if it was, you wouldn't have done it. And then you realize that was a lie. 
It really makes it easy to question everything. And so this, this story, this is from Prada.com, Washington. This is a photo for the – I think this is a Washington Post. Yeah. From Ashley Parker at the Washington Post. The ending of Trump's presidency echoes the beginning with a lie. The Trump administration is ending as it began with a lie about crowd size. Now, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even a Trump sympathizer, but I, I got to say, I, 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 he has uniquely been able to put a, a, a lot of mainstream pundits kind of in their place. How hilarious will it be to, see the, to read this story if Trump ends up winning? You got, I mean, I, I hate to, until he is conceded. Excuse me, and moved out of the White House. As long as there is a pending, and even then, even then, like Trump could, I, I, this is, I mean, about as about as hard to believe as a possibility as Trump becoming president in the first place. And that's why I hear something like this is a possibility. And I go, ooh, yeah, all right, could be. Uh, so, and I, I'm not hearing this from someone else. I'm hearing this from my own brain making up its own subjective reality as we speak. But think about this. It's possible that Trump could uh, concede and move out of the White House, carry out the normal presidential administration transition, but have one lawsuit pending, and some federal judge goes, actually, <laughs> actually, yeah, there's, there's, there are all these votes over here that didn't get counted, and so Trump is actually the winner. He's moving back into the White House. Like, would that, would that really blow your mind? I mean, more than, more than fake billionaire reality TV show star Donald Trump becoming president and be, being able to become an actual billionaire as a result. And he might. I, I mean, some of the talk about what he's going to do after the presidency, perhaps. Getting ready for running in 2024. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Uh, that he might have his own media network, his own, because Fox News isn't conservative. No, it's not Trumpian enough. Trump's not a conservative. Trump's a fascist. Trump's a, a government has grown under Trump. Let's be real about this. This whole redefining of conservative is, is kind of sickening to watch because there are a lot of principled conservatives. I, I know this is hard to believe I know, as a libertarian, right? But no, there are, there are, uh, in America, uh, and, and this is true about the left too, but there, you know, people who describe themselves as liberals, there are principled, open-minded, intellectually consistent liberals and conservatives. And to, to see the way that Trump has roped so many of them into his bullshit, I think it's really bad for America. It's bad for principles. It's bad for consistency. But back to the story, because this is, this is kind of setting the tone here. <clears throat> On Saturday, White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany tweeted out two overhead photos of President Donald Trump supporters who had gathered for a pro-Trump march in Washington, writing, Amazing! More than one million marchers for President at real Donald Trump descend on the swamp in support. Really. McEnany was off by many orders of magnitude. The crowd of thousands was a notable show, of course, perhaps, but a far cry from the million marchers to fight. Her hyperbolic assertion was reminiscent of another baseless claim made by another Trump press secretary nearly four years ago. Sean Spicer sat behind the briefing room, lectured on his first full day on the job, and at the president's urging, told falsehoods about the size of Trump's inauguration crowds. The only tragedy 
about the lie, about crowd sizes, he's always capable of finding people willing to lie for him, said Anthony Scaramucci, who served as Trump's communication director for 11 days and has since become an outspoken critic of the president. Uh, by the way, when I say this, I wonder, like, how much of this is staged, planned, palace intrigue drama designed to get your attention? Am I am I reading into this too much already? Am I am I am I? By giving it, I mean, there's so many other things going on in the world we could be talking about. But no, I don't. I don't think it's deniable that Trump has had a major impact, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's for good or bad. And there's some good things too. I, I will say. Uh, the as, as some people would call uh, call it from the left the weaponization of masculinity. That's you know when you, when you try to say like what has Trump you know in his persona done in politics that is truly unique. It, 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 if you want to say see it from a purely negative perspective, it's a weaponization of masculinity, and. It, you can look at all the other negative things, like a lowering of intellectual integrity or just integrity in general, being willing to lie and just openly in public make your own reality. Oh, there were thousands. What? That will call it a million. Why not? I'm Kaylee McEnany, White House Press Secretary, and I can make up shit whenever I feel like it because who cares? I'm, I'm working for Trump. But there is something in the effect that, that, that he's having that I think is really deeper and dangerous. You know, is this, in this... This weaponization of, of, of masculinity in and of itself. No, that's that's, that's masculinity. A, a, a pure man speaking from that divine masculine doesn't need to lie, doesn't need to exaggerate, doesn't need to do any of these things that we see Trump doing that are so destructive. But in a positive sense, there's been. Uh, a sort of masculine assertiveness that Trump has embodied that has been missing in American politics. And that, in and of itself, may have may have some real positive effects. Because, obviously, like, think about Jordan Peterson. All right, if you know Jordan Peterson, a uh, Canadian professor, was at 17 Rules for Life, the Lobsters, and, and he went through a, a period where he was extremely popular. Because similarly, he was speaking to something that people were, were thirsty for. And if you, if you deny people the ability to make their own reality, if you, if you use the mainstream media, use political pressure to shove the false reality down people's throats, there's going to be a rebellion. There's going to be a resistance. And Trump, I don't want to say he represents that, but he has, he has corralled and subverted that in his base of support, and nowhere is there a better example that we find than with Alex Jones. Super male vitality pills! I'm stronger than I've ever been because I'm taking these boner pills now! Wait, the male vitality ones aren't the boner pills. I haven't watched Alex Jones in a while. I don't know which ones he's pushing now. But yeah, the super male vitality, a lot of hilarious parodies out, that, uh, out there about that if, if you haven't seen them. But the headline, and thank you, CJ, is, is CJ is showing some of the footage from this. It was not an insignificant rally, but perhaps, in the scope of things, insignificant. A, I'd like to think of this, you know, as a Trump. Trump has not just weaponized masculinity, but raised 
a certain brand of toxic masculinity. And, and I, I don't want to use that in the, in the sense of, uh, you know, that term. Yeah. Really abused by a lot of people on the left trying to challenge Trump and supporters in this. And the, 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 it's not it's not captured really by the term toxic masculinity. But I, I, I have seen Alex Jones over the years, uh, and, and I, I think he's real. I think he's genuine. I also think, like, uh, any major political media figures, he's the subject of extreme manipulation. And I don't just mean in the censorship, the shadow banning, and, and all the technical difficulties that, that, that he's experienced over the years, because he went he, he went. He went pretty hardcore establishment for Trump. He got sucked in. And I think it was because Trump spoke not just to his fears, but to his insecurities. And this headline from band.video, 79days.news, revolutionary Alex Jones' most epic speech ever. At Million MAGA March, Alex Jones delivers possibly his most powerful speech to hundreds of thousands of patriots who support President Trump in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, what's interesting here, and, and, and I think, again, speaking to uh, the genius of what Trump has accomplished rhetorically, this is, they're saying it was hundreds of thousands. Now, delivers the speech to hundreds of thousands. Tuning out online? It could have been, could could be some fake numbers there. Trump himself said tens of thousands. Now I don't, I don't have a problem with like hey, ten, tens of thousands at a, at a at a rally. Like I guess that's pretty good. Unless you're the president of the United States, I mean, you can blow everybody up with the push of a red button, but you can't actually get a million people to show up to your million mega march. Uh, I don't know. Now, did did Trump speak at this one? I, actually, I, I don't know because I'm like I'm kind of wondering. I, I saw one of the headlines is that Trump drove by. Did Trump not actually speak at this rally? Can someone help me out with this? Let's get Mercedes back up on stage here, checking with our audience for comments because I do want to take. I, I don't want to take calls today. We got Mercedes. We got a lot of headlines to cover. If someone has to call, if someone from the producers club wants to call in, we will. We always take producers club members who want to call in. But I think our contest today should just be in the comments. Now, Mercedes, all of this, all this setup, like, we've been talking about COVID mm-hmm. as a whole, as a phenomenon, on whether it's going to have a positive or negative effect on on, on human momentum, right? The yeah. momentum of, of freedom, of human society, of, 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 of everything. So there, there it is. Thank you, CJ. There's Trump driving by, driving through the million mega march. Is that what that is? A rally? But he, did he speak? I don't think Trump spoke. I mean, if he did, I think he would have had to pull out a real barn burner. But and we would have heard about that. Yeah, anyway, they don't roll down their windows when they're in a crowd. It's too dangerous. No, I can't blame him for that. Um, uh, but the the bigger the bigger question here, and this is what I want to ask ask the audience for the contest today, <clears throat> um, because back to COVID for a second. We we've been asking this bigger question. As much as we see COVID right now as a huge, it's not like, in, in, in the story of human progress, I mean, some people, if, if you were really delusional, if you had created a very status reality for yourself, you could look at COVID and be like, 
oh, this was awesome. Remember when COVID came and it inspired and motivated us as a species to pull together globally and governments all over the world coordinated and locked down and governments got stronger. And we, yeah, we, 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 we can, this is like, I hear statist Adam talking now, right? Yeah, Adam loves the man stop. going. <laughs> <Please stop>. um, <laughs> but I'm not saying we need to go, though. But in your sense, though, if you do want to go to the positive aspects of COVID, like I've been doing, it did allow people the ability to go protest. It allowed people to pay attention to the election. It did allow people the freedom to not work. But at the same time, people weren't allowed to work. Uh, governments shut everything down. Everybody was negatively impacted. Not here in Nebraska land, because our government didn't go all authoritarian on us, but I'm the exception to the case. So watching it from the outs, inside looking out to everybody around me, y'all be crazy. I don't know what's well, going on. Hold on, Mercedes, two things. I, I, I wanted to take, to take a step from that bigger picture to the smaller picture of the election today. That was the point of this. But yeah. you know, the thing about, thing about you, know, you keep making this case, and it, it's, it's really hard. Even even for, for for you, I know with your personal experience and your you know, I I'd like to think pretty good. You have a pretty solid, you know, worldview and ability to look at things objectively, but even for me, like I catch myself doing the same thing, trying to analyze COVID, I find myself after oh wait, did I accept that premise? Like and you have to challenge everything and it's really tough. And, and so Mercedes, tiring. One of the, I know it. I know. And one of the things that I I, I think you're falling into, and I, I say this in part from seeing what you know the, the conversation in the producers club chat, is that you're accepting that lockdowns had a positive or negative impact on the spread of COVID, and even that in and of itself, like you've been saying, because it's, because see, it's hard because to, Nebraska it's hard to put that didn't. Is how I actually view on the lockdowns. The lockdowns are helping it spread because it spreads within tight quarters. And it's just the, the, if you look at logical science and facts and how viruses work, the government is doing everything wrong to make sure that this hurts us as, as bad as possible. That's yeah. So, okay. 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 So you've, you've, you've escaped this, but I, I saw yeah. you a couple times. See, but I mean, are, it is, it, it's more of, it's not that, uh, it's not that I'm falling into it, it's that I see behavioral patterns in our society, and I see how the government's going to use that against us, so I'm like the little warning, the British are coming, because I see what, <laughs> I'm trying to just warn everybody, it's not that I, it's, it's, I know what's going to happen, because I know how our government works, and I know how pandemics work, and so when I do fall, it seems like I'm falling into it, it's because that's you have no control over the situation. We don't have any control over the situation. Well, Mercedes, there's there's one. I want to point that point this out. And and I'm not I'm not saying this to fault you because I have done this too. But yeah. I think I've noticed a couple times in your your discussion of this that you have spoken from the perspective that well because we didn't go crazy and have lockdowns here in Nebraska. Now we have a surge. And it's like, well, is, is even that engineered? Did, the, did the lockdowns minimize transmission in the first place, or did they accelerate it? You know, when they say, well, we, there's a virus, so we're going to have a curfew like in New York now. You can't go out past 10 o'clock. Like, 
But that's what they're doing is they're limiting social interactions by limiting the ability of people to be out interacting with each other in public because it's, they're basically creation, creating prohibition on social activities, trying to control a virus you can't control. And so in, they're going oh, super authoritarian because that's what you do when you don't have control and you don't have a good mental mindset. Are you saying prohibition doesn't work? Oh, what? <laughs> what? No. What? No. Yeah, all right. But no. in this case, obviously, there's there's a backfire effect, and there's so many policies, as you point out, being enacted right now that you have to go, are they trying to make us, like, New York? Too, there's so too, there's a lot like, of propaganda is what's happening. I'm seeing disinformation making its way into the mainstream media, and unless you think critically and demand evidence, like most libertarians, you're going to fall into that Trump is good, Biden's good, it's a hoax, it's not a hoax, we're all going to die. No, we're not. Yeah, no, and by the way, for, for the, again, about the hoax thing, like, and I've used this term before, um, and I, just, I, if I, go, I go back and brag about something I haven't for a while here, that uh, on March 1st, Ron Paul did a column titled The Coronavirus Hoax. Mm-hmm. I did a podcast by the same name on my birthday one month earlier on February 1st. And the hoax is not the virus itself. If, if they took, if they fabricated this whole thing out of whole cloth and just made it all up, anyway, well, we'll just count on people having some psychosomatic symptoms, right? Uh, no, we're going to scare people into being sick. Like, you can do that. Like, the human mind is that vulnerable to suggestion. It's called the placebo effect. <laughs> right, it's a psychologically right. documented right. event. But, that, but then it would be easier to see through. No, they have taken a real virus, fabricated in a lab or not, doesn't matter, uh, but they have taken a, what is a real virus and a real health phenomenon that we do have to pay attention to, Mm-hmm. And really blown it up with with fear mongering into something yeah. else, and, and I don't know, like so. Status Adam, okay, back to the bigger picture. Of the I want to get to the contest and get to some comments yes. here, okay? So because because it's not, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah, we got a Corona block today, but that's not what the contest is, and that's not. I want the conversation no. to be a little more turned to the analysis on what we're seeing. Hold on, Mercedes. Hold on, let me let me let me just. Let me just finish this. We'll steer the conversation, and you'll see where we're going. Uh, but with Corona, status Adam would say, "Oh, this is great! Look at how much stronger government's got because we were, you know, we pulled together. We we got afraid of the right things, and we turned to government to save us, and it did such a great job." Obviously, I can't stand by that narrative. It's the opposite uh, of what I believe about that aspect of the momentum of this. Is it good or bad for humanity? And, you know, you could, it could be that Corona is a step backwards. You know, one of the stories that was shared in, uh, in the producers club chat today, we're not going to, we're not going to get into this, but this is, uh, the Rum Rebellion as a, a column. Uh, the great leap backward in human progress, like that. And he's saying, uh, yeah, what, whatever this started as, uh, this is, this is the cause for the great global reset. And there's a, there's a lot of that. You know, there's a lot of fear about this. Uh, this is, and, and I can see this as a significant leap backwards, a step backwards. But I, I would like to think, and, and being optimistic, I mean, I, I, I haven't decided on this. Like, are we going to come out of COVID? And, and, and even, like, by the way, shocking, it's being stretched out now. We, you know, Fauci saying, oh, you got to be ready. You got to be ready. It might not be until next year. It's going to be a few months at least before we start slowly coming back to normal. But with 
all the the fear mongering with COVID, I do I do feel still that it is it, even even though they're they're full of shit and they're teasing this out and they're trying to suck people along. I've seen enough authorities say, you know, we're coming to the end. We've got the vaccine coming out. It, you know, it should be out and then widespread in a few months. And I, I think they can't do that without if they succeed in that, then great, and we get back to normal with post-COVID side effects, right? Um, but there's a chance that the, 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 this could become worse in the sense that we, when we're out of it or done with this, this initial phase of COVID, that uh, we're in a worse state for humanity that we're more afraid, we're more likely to turn to authority, and the governments have new templates of control that they can use with virus threats. But I want to turn to a slightly more immediate question right now, because it, as, as much as it looks like uh, Biden is, is going to win, it's still not certain. So the immediate question for today's contest. It's a complex multi-parter here. But uh, is Biden going to win? Is Biden going to continue his momentum? Or is Trump going to pull something out? Or is he going to make it look nasty? And as a result of this, and the Trump presidency as a whole, it's, it's sort of psychological effects. Aside from the fact that the winner of the 2020 election was drugs, <laughs> and, uh, on drugs, winning the war on drugs. Yes. Uh, in Nebraska, um, was it? We may not have gotten a lockdown, but we also didn't get that legal weeds option on the ballot either. So, lockdown or weed, I guess we picked. So, the bigger question then is, separate from the question of drugs, are we coming out of the 2020 election, Trump or Biden, whichever it may be, with positive or negative momentum for freedom and humanity. We have a caller. We're going to get to our caller in just a minute. I assume that's someone from the Producers Club. That's yeah. awesome. But I will um, go back to the earlier comment. I found out who please. that person is. It's uh, Biden's campaign director. He was arrested in Texas for electoral fraud. So new information to the contest, who's going to win now for real, Biden's campaign director got yeeted into the jailhouse. Yoinked? Is that the correct terminology? Yoinked? Not yeeted. It's, he got yoinked into yoinked. the jailhouse. Yoinked. yoinked. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think that's the appropriate superficial spin to put like, on a headline yeah, like that. It's fine. But, yeah, look, you want to get to the yeah. caller, we can well, no, hold on. I want, this okay. is this is like breaking news. Ahead? Yeah, yeah. It it right. wasn't very it wasn't very detailed though. It was just a little blurb, and it it yeah. just says that the, he was arrested. But also, if you go back and I looked at some other stories, well, that's why I was distracted the first time I popped up because I started <laughs> researching about the street. So it, there are other um, articles that say that there was actually a tar. Um, an outside group helping people in Texas try to detect voter fraud. So there's something uh, going on here. As normal. So here, I'll, just, I'll just read this because I got the one minute here. The de uh, Democrat director of Texas State Political Strategy for the Joe Biden presidential campaign has been arrested for electoral fraud. Democratic Party operative Dallas Jones was formally accused of helping 
running an illegal ballot harvesting operation in the state of Texas on behalf of the Joe Biden campaign during this contested presidential election. Now, I would just point out, like, this is, ooh, I'm like, ooh, good, nice strategery you got there, Trump. Like, this is, ooh, that's clever. I see, ah, I see what you did there. Because this could be nothing. It could be everything. And, and, and just even raising that specter is hugely helpful to Trump's efforts right now, which are basically a, you know, making the election seem uncertain so that, uh, you know, things can be giving credibility to, to sway his way here. But this could be this could be all bullshit. Is that, really, honestly, Chris, is this just a ploy from a fascist government elect, uh, arresting political opponents' uh, staff? Because that's the thing that happens during political words that I'm not going to say. <laughs> so what I'm, what I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I want to be hopeful reading reading a story like this. Not not for Trump. No, 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 no. Don't misunderstand me here. But that if this uh, this is not something that happens in a, a stable government where uh, that has the confidence of the people behind it. Yeah, right? yeah. The only way that we can be taken down is from within, and that's happening right now because mommy and daddy are fighting and the kids are stuck in the middle and we have no power. Well, it's not, it's not taking that grab his knife and us all your life. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if it's the taken down from within so much as the waking up to the fraud from within. That the American, like I, I see a story like this and, and I go, all right, that's that's really clever, Trumpkins. You know, you got you got a prosecutor or a cop or an investigator or somebody to go and, and arrest someone on, on on charges like this. Now yeah. you have a headline. Now you have something to hang your hat on. Now you have a way to keep the door from being closed, right? You have a foot in the door as far as the bigger narrative goes. Oh, we can't slam the door shut on Trump and just let, you know, say, say Biden's going to waltz in and take over now. So um, bigger question today, again, what is coming out of this and, and who's going to win? And, and I, I mean, at least now we get to look at it from this cold, removed distance where people aren't frantically good. Now it's just us political nerds looking at this, whereas everybody else – you know, and here's a, here's a crazy thing: is that there there are a, a significant number of Trump supporters out there going, "Oh yeah, Trump's going to be president for another four years." He won, of course. He's just he's just he's just he's going to do his thing. He's got to sign it legally. He's got to go to the courts. Blah blah blah. And and then they're going to go. <gasps> Biden's being sworn in on January 20th. With, oh my God! And and it's going to be the, the it could be the same if it goes the other side. It goes the other way. I mean, I, I hate to side with somebody on either side of the left right here, but I got to say, uh, as, as, as good as conservative tears taste, and they taste just as good as liberal tears, they really uh, do. the liberal tears flow a lot more freely in the face of Trump. I'm not sure. These Trump supporters sure are crying. But you know what would soothe all of these anxieties? Going to Cigar Federation. <laughs> you want to jump back to promos. All right, well, I want to... Let's let's knock out promos. We want to. We'll, we'll, we're going to take some comments from Mercedes uh, from the audience here, trying to answer this question. We're going to get to our caller and uh, and then the headlines. So yes, go to AdamVersusTheMan.com. There it is, AdamVersusTheMan.com. Patreon. Click on Patreon. But also you can support. You can support the show 
with buying merchandise at our amazing store that CJ has put together there, AdamVersusTheMan.com slash whatever it is. Go to AdamVersusTheMan.com. Really, really cool stuff there. Excited to have. Ask, look at that. We even have compliance things. Really, they're <laughs> Wait a second. I thought yeah, we weren't going to do that. No, no, I'm, no. I'm, no, really. I'm pro-mask because I can go out into public and nobody knows who the fuck I am. Sorry, CJ. But that's exactly why I enjoy masks because I like the anonymity to it being alone. <sighs> I like I like being anonymous. Thank you. Well, good morning, Gardenia. Good morning, Adam. Uh, that is not that is a freedom neck gator, not to be confused with a uh, coronavirus <laughs> compliant mask. Uh, how you right, choose good. how you choose to wear said gator is your choice. Uh, but uh, no, uh, like for example, our producers club member Matt, Mr. Baxley, uh, has, and he uh, he. Where's it while doing his yard work? So, I mean, all things considered, it's not for coronavirus. It's Sorry, for let me preface that for you. Yeah, yes, let me preface that for you. Yeah, so, I know. It sounds funny because I wear, you know, when I'm when I'm homesteading, when I'm doing construction work in, in the garden, uh, I, I usually wear a bandana because I pull it up, like, as a, as a dust mask. It keeps the dust out of your face. And I'm telling it's you, like, it's multiversal, like this mask wore, man. I'm not about it. It's like the war on Christmas cups from Starbucks or something. I'm not even sure what's going on. Oh, we got Christmas stories today. We're going to get to those in the headlines. But all right, to finish up our promo, CigarFederation.com, one of our affiliate partners, really excited about this. Check it out. Uh, join us Fridays for Cigars and Sunsets. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be doing we, I think we're going to be We're probably – if we do one, it's going to be from the from – the, uh, the new pickup truck on the road this weekend. But, yeah, check out CigarFederation.com. JSK Nugs. Most Fridays, we do cigars and sunsets in Gardenia, and it's been a lot of fun to have that kind of casual conversation to, to finish the week. <laughs> yes. Well, and then, yeah. and then you can go ahead and go to makethemdebate.com and help me actually do my job and make Adam go debate people or make them debate Adam. I did send an email out to Joe Rogan. I told him he has an unclaimed profile. We'll see what happens. Um, I just want to make Adam debate, Joe Rogan. If you hear this, Joe, 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 if you're there and you're listening, claim your profile, please, so we can um, have a good real libertarian conversation since you did vote for Joe Jorgensen, allegedly. Well, no, I, oh, my God, are we going to get sidetracked talking about Joe no, Rogan? No, 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 we'll talk about it later after I hear them not email me back. Well, he had, he had, apparently he had David Smith on. I haven't listened to that episode myself, but David Smith. I don't know. Um, I I'm so So I don't I don't want to sound too paranoid here, but I, I it sounds kind of like pandering from Joe. Like, oh, I can still have hardcore libertarians on my show, but from what I heard about, like, is it? it you're asking me to debate Joe Rogan, and it's like I don't want. Why debate someone who it, I, I think in his heart is really libertarian? Well, there really. you go. That's how you figure it out. You debate them. Plus, it's a good mental ac- exercise for uh, Adam. You can just go state us on him or something. You know, I, I, I love I love debates as a format and framing for conversation, even with the positive, loving, collaborative mentality framework that I, I, I take with most of them, but. Uh, from what I heard from our producers club is that uh, David Smith didn't raise the issue of voting for Joe Jorgensen or really 
uh, the, 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 like, challenge Joe on libertarianism. And but, her, you know, I don't know free. who this Dave Smith is, so I'm sorry. He must oh, you should know, yeah, you should know Comic Dave Smith. Uh, I, we've had him on the show. It was, it was actually before um, you came on, Mercedes. I guess, but, I guess you're not a real libertarian if I don't know who you are. All right, well, let's, let's, but let's go to the audience now before we get to our big pilot. Yeah, running, so there's been a stuff. couple long comments. Um, this one I'll put on is probably Biden. Trump will still do stuff in the legal realm and, and – um, with a news network, the real winner was JoJo and Spike, to be honest, which I agree with. Um, but that, that, and then there's just a second comment here is just um, in response to the second question because of the negative precedent that's been set um, with what's going on in the election and the stimulus check and the socialism that's established now in both parties because, you know, they lock down everybody because of a virus. So that's all we have for comments on, except for I think we are in some for amazing gas with the Biden presidency. I assume that means laughs. But no, no, gas no, 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 as in, as in Biden's verbal gas, being the, the oh. gas machine misspeaking with some funny stuff. Because he doesn't know who he is. Yeah, but uh, the comment section's kind of dry. I, you know, the thing about, about gaffes, like about Biden saying just stupid things and being entertaining, that's, I don't think it's going to get much better than Trump for that. You know, one of the headlines I saw on Drudge that was sort of encouraging was like, are we going to see a shrinking of the presidency? I mean, we yeah. can only hope. I mean, what, was, what was the wording, actually? I want to get this right. But this was – because this, this idea that uh, – after Trump, will presidency recede? You know, and I, I didn't read the story. It's not like that important. Uh, but will the presidency, the headline is from Associated Press, after Trump, will the presidency recede a bit for Americans? Calvin Coolidge, known by some as Silent Cal during his time in the White House, used his autobiography to live up to his nickname, The Words of a President, he wrote in 1929 after leaving office, have an enormous weight and ought not to be used indiscriminately uh, <laughs> okay yeah uh well we definitely have gotten away from that let's go to our caller then brad and then we're going to jump into the headlines here Excellent. so we have i believe we have brad from the producers club standing by to call in let's go ahead and get him on stage brad thanks for calling in welcome to the show this morning how you doing brother hey glad to be here thanks for having me how are you this Monday? <laughs> Woo, uh, it's fun doing the show from the road. I hope, I hope I'm not too loud for anybody else in this hotel right now. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, just uh, listening in. Uh, that, that Biden uh, campaign director getting pinched, I thought that was, that was some good Monday morning news <laughs> yeah, to wake up to. Don't get pinched. Maybe that should be our contest today. What's the best word to describe this kind of politically motivated, perhaps uh, vindictive kind of arrest? Doinked, pinched. There's some, there's some good other slang terms out there for getting arrested, right? <laughs> Derailed. There's a lot of things we could say about that. <laughs> so, Brad, bigger picture, though. What, you know, what do you think is going to win, and where do you think this is going, positive or negative momentum coming out of 2020? Well, I like Jim's take from last week. Um, if it were to come back that Trump gets elected, uh, I think that would just play into a bigger 
bigger plan of things. <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to, I mean, because we already have a, a lot of uh, unrest in this country, but I can't think of anything else that would pop it off worse than them coming back and saying, oh, well, that's four more years of Trump. So, that, okay, now, now that's, that is, okay, so, so let, me, let me weigh that against the bigger forces here, because that's a really interesting analysis, because what you're, what, what, I, what I sort of implying next in my own thought from that is that the people who pull the strings, the real profiteers of the system, they would suffer if, if there was a, a turnover at this point, right? If, 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 if somehow Trump succeeds in his legal challenges and is able to stay in the White House, and uh, there's going to be more freaking out at this point, right? Like that the American people, there would be a much greater destabilization effect than if we saw the, a, a relatively smooth transition to a Biden administration, right? And 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 then you have to say, well, is that what the powers that be really want at this point? And if that's what they want, would they have let it get to this point? Probably, probably, uh, they probably wouldn't have let it get to this point if this wasn't exactly what they wanted. And it let, I, I, that, it's a really compelling argument for Biden is going to, I don't even want to say hold on to this thing because it's not decided until January 20th. And even then, who the hell knows? But yeah, that's, that's a really important perspective on this. Thank you, Brad. But then, is that is that positive or negative coming out of this? Well, again, yeah, that would just that would that would speak to uh, people's motives. Uh, like, <laughs> as a libertarian, <laughs> let me as a libertarian, uh, praxeology, yeah. baby. <laughs> you know, we we come out of it, and we we know that we've lost. So. Um, but just given, <laughs> given the absurdity. You doesn't have a lawsuit, too? <laughs> Man, I wish. Uh, I haven't heard anything about that. I know they kept donations coming in on the campaign for a minute to, to see about, you know, if we had to contest. But uh, that's a lot of money that we just don't magically have. <laughs> as uh, frugal as Jorgensen was with her campaign, um, I think if it came down to contesting any positive that we're going to get back out of it is going to be from Trump challenging the results. If they would even let such a thing come to light. Because, again, who knows how many votes <laughs> we really but, got. Now, by the way, uh, so, so as a libertarian, I want to point out, and, and, and I think Brad helps me understand here, like, what is, what is the, like, uh, we're kind of rooting for Trump at this point. Not because we're rooting for Trump, because he represents the snake eating its own tail. He would be the greater stable, not at this, like not not before, but at, at this point right now. We're, like if we we're rooting for whoever's behind to take down whoever's ahead. Like this is this right. is kind of a liberta- like libertarian collapsitarian interest in left right politics is we always want whoever's behind to win to have more of a destabilizing effect. But then right. the other part of this. Well, if, the, if if they win, then the system works, and you know we can change leaders smoothly, and everybody's happy, and it reinforces the general warfare, welfare, status, police state, surveillance state, protect the banking racket, right? So, I, I, do we really care? I don't know. Maybe we don't. But I think right now, 
as, as Brad points out, that if if we got to uh, see Trump successfully overturn this, it would piss the most people off and get the most people thinking, at least in the short term, that, right? We have that. But positive momentum, like, sort of coming out of this, Brad, I don't think you really got an, got an answer to that, saying that you think it's going to, that Biden's going to hold on to it. Yeah, um, I, I mean, again, that's all conjecture on my part. Um, do I think Biden's going to get it? Yeah, probably. I mean, just just watching it slip away from Ron Paul and going to Obama, uh, you know, having lived through that, uh, it doesn't surprise me. But, yeah, uh, another part of me is just like 2020 has already taken us this far. <laughs> Let's just see how far it goes. If Trump did get the nom, I would just, uh, you know, just sit back with my popcorn at that point just to kind of see how crazy, more crazy things can get this year. Oh man! So if 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 Biden just goes through what what it looks like is happening, a, a smooth gathering of momentum, the negative impact as, as that I see as a libertarian here is that the system kind of pandered to oh hey we're going to take away the Trump presidency from Trump supporters, but we're going to we're going to let them throw a, a big hissy fit on, on his way out. We're going to let them think that they had a chance. You know, we're going to, and this is, again, one of the reasons elections in this duopoly that we find ourselves in with modern American politics, they are engineered to be nail biters. Like, they, they don't want blowouts. They don't want clear victory loss because that gets people thinking in a different way, too. Keeping it engineered to be neck and neck, neck and neck, keeps yeah. people sucked into this left-right paradigm and fighting over uh, Democrats and Republicans, as opposed to stepping back and thinking, well, our party's going you know, to, as soon as, as soon as, see, here's the thing, is when you have the two major parties like this, it's kind of like every American is sucked into the delusion of thinking that their vote matters in the most important election of your life, right? Because you could sway it one way or another, you could help, you know, but as long as you don't think about alternatives, that's okay. And they suck people into fighting over what is really an insignificant lesser evil contest. Uh, and that's that, that part of the danger of this. Uh, and if, if Biden uh, carries out the smooth transition, you know, I would say that that's kind of, aside from the drugs part, that represents negative momentum for America coming out of this, a negative momentum for freedom, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If we, if we side with Biden, um, we're, we're not going to see liberty expand at all. Um, I mean, just, you know, already look at it, um, the, the whole cannabis decriminalization. Um, so the article the other day, that's already been taken off. You know, he's like, uh, screw them. I got the numb. Time to, time to renege on my, uh, my pr- campaign promises, like basically right out of the gate. But that's exactly what I expected. Well, you think about the super class, if they're the ones who, who select the presidents. And it's not that they don't have a real contest. Like, I think they, they pre-select the, the nominees so they, they'll be happy with either one. And then they can allow the American people to have a contest over who's the best front man for the system. And if you think about, you know, the main purpose of government, to keep the super rich getting richer at the expense of the rest of us, they want to pre-select candidates who are going to serve that purpose effectively. And and so it's creating the illusion of choice, the illusion of your vote mattering that they want to promote with these elections. 
And so I, I, I want to just turn to the bigger picture of Corona for a second as a slightly more long-term issue than the immediate momentum that we get out of 2020, in that we could come out of Corona with an increased awareness. We could go, oh, wow, <laughs> man, didn't that suck when, we, when, when Corona yeah. happened and we had governments in charge of all this shit and they screwed it up so bad? Man, we really need to rethink this thing now that Corona is over, now that we've all become civil disobedient, the civil disobedience activists one way or another about masks. All right. Now we've got positive momentum and people are thinking, how do we make sure it doesn't, if, if, if another such virus happens again, do we, uh, can we, can we, can we be in a better position when it starts? And, and from, from that analysis, you know, I look at the 2020 election and, keeping Trump supporters sucked in is, is just the best way to ensure that they don't wake up, that they stay stuck in this fight over the marginal bullshit differences between Republicans and Democrats. And it's, it, it's, it's discouraging. We play politics, we lose. Shocking, right, Brad? Yeah, no, I, I think there's uh, definitely distractions, um, uh, like <laughs> trying to revive the Tea Party, for uh, example. Um, I think that'll be just another uh, a way to catch some of the unrest, uh, you know, people who are fed up with things. Um, I think it's just more of a distraction um, in the in the long run rather than something that's actually going to change. But you, you hope that something like this would get people waking up, but then the numbers that report on Jorgensen, it just makes me question. But I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not throwing in the towel or anything like that. I... Um, <laughs> Personally, I've, I've, uh, I've, it's only uh, encouraged me more to help, you know, talk to people and, and get the message of liberty out there uh, to try and, you know, if not now, <laughs> when, you know, because <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, if, if, if you aren't um, walking away from this uh, understanding that there's a lot more uh, that you could be getting out of this situation rather than... Uh, egregious government overreach then i don't think i don't think anything's gonna get you on that level of thinking so hey brad finally uh but did you get into the because today we're just doing producer club calls uh did you get into the producers club by by buying your way or did you win your membership no i i won so what, what it was is we we did our election day stream and i had you on so then i i got on there the next day and uh, as luck would have it, I won my way into the producers club, <laughs> and you can do so as well. So continue yeah. watching Adam versus the man, and then um, <laughs> if you're on Facebook, uh, if I can do a shameless self plug, um, uh, I am an admin from We Are the Power, and uh, we are actually going to be uh, making our own uh, streaming podcast service uh, coming out soon. So again, uh, We Are the Power on Facebook. Um, if you're so inclined, please go check us out. Well, there is someone in the uh, Bruisers Club making some bad jokes about Jorgensen wins by default, um, and that is if, if both sides wish, uh, are claiming fraud, right, then they disqualify their whole parties, and then the Libertarians get to swoop in and win. And maybe, you know what, if I was the nominee, that's probably the angle that I'd be playing right now, is just to milk this as, as a 
I mean, I hope I hope Jorgensen is still available for interviews as our nominee discussing all of this while it's live at least. Yeah, going out going. They're both disqualified. With right. these cheating and lying, they're both correct for once. We and need to reach out to Joe. We need to get a rook in that angle ASAP. So. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see the, the, the Libertarians take advantage of this opportunity right now to say, hey, guess what? Are, are, are you sick of both parties? Because right now they're, they're, they're actually legally disqualifying each other, and we're the only ones left above the fray at this point. But, no, I, I go to the – well, Maybe at the inauguration that, that, that there will be some uh, actual, so a real terrorist attack instead of a false flag that you know kills politicians instead of civilians. Um, and I'm just waiting I, for I, you to take the mic. <laughs> no, yeah, no, don't. Hey, this is not. If, if, if the Secret Service is listening, this is this is not me proposing anything at all. This is just hypothetical. Uh, no. But if if uh, that's what I mean, that's what it would take. It would it would, it would what would but see they would they would write us out even if that happened. They have the, the the speaker of the house outside of nuclear bomb blast range anytime the president and the vice president are in the same building, right? Something like that. Uh, so we have we have continuity of government ensured. Right. Uh, uh, can you imagine how many things would have to go wrong for them to be saying, oh, okay. Jorgensen's president. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, that would, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff would have to go sideways. Yeah. All right, Brad. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're going to get to some headlines, Adam. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Oh man. But you know, I, I, I just, I, I hope that you appreciate it. I, I think talking to Brad kind of reassured me, and, and I hope everybody else in the producers' club of, of our perspective in covering the election and, and understanding what it really is as a propaganda show. And that even right now we're talking about, uh, you know, what is Trump doing? What is Biden doing? Could, could Jorgensen win by default? And, and I, I, I hope you appreciate that the way we cover this for Adam versus the man is with kind of a, a, a cool distance, so to speak. All right. One of the headlines that was shared to us in the Producers Club is, and, and CJ wants to plug that again. If you're watching right now, I hope you'll share this. If you think this message uh, of freedom is important, if you think that this kind of coverage of current events is important, please share this broadcast and support it by being an active and engaged member of the audience, not just by sharing our content and, and sharing with people why you think this is important, but check out uh, our, our Patreon. If you're not a member already, support the show financially. $10 a month gets you membership. AdamVersusTheMan.com and there's a link there. One of the fun headlines that was shared to us, and this is like a, a fun little counterpoint. I don't know why this is apparently this story is blown up right now. Voter fraud ruffles New Zealand bird of the year competition. Yeah. Yeah. From NPR Weekend Edition Saturday. Evidence of election rigging has roiled New Zealand's bird of the year competition after a case of ballot box is threatened to derail avian democracy. Suspicion began when organizers received more than 1,500 votes sent from the same email address early Monday. Each vote was in favor of the little spotted kiwi, kiwi puku-puku, according to a statement from Force and Bird, a conservation organization that runs the election. Uh, Force and Bird spokeswoman Laura Keown told NPR's Weekend Edition, this is an amazing bird. It deserves all the support, but unfortunately these votes, votes had to be disallowed and they've been taken out of the competition. 
The annual event is more than just a bird popularity contest. The conservation group Force and Bird runs the election-based competition to help raise awareness about New Zealand's native bird species, many of which are endangered. Now, this is <laughs> the, uh, the same, the same um, person here, Laura Keown, the spokeswoman for Forest and Bird, said, quote, I can only assume that people get really excited about New Zealand's native birds. She said, reasoning why someone would want to cheat. We are a land of birds, and we have some of the most amazing and unique species. The race isn't over yet. Voting closes Sunday. You know, that was yesterday. But Gown said the disqualification immediately lifted one species legitimately to top billing, billing the kakapo, a rare nocturnal bird known for its owlish beak and yellow-green color and the only flightless parrot in the world. As of Friday, the Antipodean albatross, a critically endangered seabird, endangered seabird had swooped to the top of the leaderboard. Now, why are we covering this story? Why is why are we dying? Why did someone send me this? Why why why, why do we care? No, no. But I, I let, let's let's take apart the the relevant takeaways to this because you go well, Jesus. There's a contested election rife with fraud on both sides, denied by both sides here in the United States right now as we see the post-election fight continue between Trump and Biden. So who actually won? I don't even want to look because I, if, if, I, if I went ahead, this is, this is over now. I could, I could look at the results. I might be colored in my analysis, uh, tainted, if you will, as, as to my, my belief in the credibility of the results. Because even seeing a headline like this invokes some emotional responses for me. Because I don't know. I'm looking, I'm looking to see, well, Who's the best bird in the race? And if there, there were 1,500 votes, someone, someone cheated for the Kiwi Puku Puku. And if you're cheating for the Kiwi Puku Puku, was, does that mean that the Kiwi would have lost without your support? Do I have to look at the rest of Kiwi Puku Puku's votes and think, how many of those came from the same person from different IP addresses? Was it all just a diversion? But then you have to think, wait a second, wait a second, let's go one level deeper in the conspiracy theory here. Could it have been, could it have been the Antipian albatross who wanted to stoke uh, perhaps a, a, a heightened competition between the, uh, the uh, Kakaruya, the black robin, or the Kareareya, a New Zealand falcon, and, and stay above the fray in all of this and uh, perhaps just call into question the votes for all the other birds in the race as I quietly plot against them all with this political maneuvering. Am I supposed to, as a potential voter reading this story who has yet to vote, am I, am I going to be the one going, well, you know, maybe I really need to come out and vote for the bird who was cheated against in all of this. And I, and, and I hope that just seeing this simple uh, bird election, all right, Craig asked Craig Darty in our comments, birds aren't, re birds aren't real. Okay, all right. 
<laughs> Possibly. Uh, empty matter already weighing in. CIA pigeons are heavily out today, too. Yeah, who knows? Those birds, they could be... Uh, which which one is being used by the, the CIA to fly cameras over your house and spy on you? Which ones are being tracked? Why are birds such a theme now? And Adam, is it because, because of the... Maybe the whole birds aren't real thing is a is, is a conspiracy by birds to get more attention in the first place or by uh, avian conservatories to get more funding for their observation. Because now we're talking about birds and we brought you the story of, I don't even remember the name of that crazy bird that flew from Alaska to, uh, to New Zealand without stopping. Or was it Australia? But yeah, pay attention to the birds. Bird is the word as we learn from our comments section again today. Um, but let's see, the birds campaign, man they have campaign managers. Yeah. Uh, despite the alleged fraud, the littlest Kiwi still has a shot at the crown if it picks up enough votes. After all, the underdog species once made a stunning comeback from mainland extinction. Uh, the birds campaign manager... Emma Rawson said in a press release earlier this week, if you really love the Kiwi, poo-poo-poo-poo, get out and campaign for them in Bird of the Year. We don't want to see any more cheating. As New Zealand's national emblem, Little Spotted Kiwi represents New Zealanders' values of democracy, fairness, equality, and honesty. And somehow, in this whole thing, we got to this from a race or a story about voter fraud in a bird of the year competition. Now I have to think that that cheating done from a single IP address into which no one will dig further <clears throat> may have been a conspiracy by the people at Forest and Bird just to call attention to their election in the bird of the year uh, race here. This is a conservation organization that runs the election and even if all of this is true and this is all a setup from them, I want to thank them for their work. I want to thank them for everything they do to change, the, to, to move the conversation away from political bullshit maneuvering to, uh, hey, let's talk about conservation. Let's talk about the environment. Let's talk about natural resources. I am proud to call myself, if anything, a green libertarian who values natural resources appropriately and doesn't want to get sucked into a political conversation that detaches us from our connection to the natural world, as is so often the intent of those who would use it to manipulate and exploit us. So, thank you to them also for using the Bird of the Year competition to shed light on the silliness, the absurdity, the inanity, the wrangling, the untrustworthiness of our political elections as well. So, yes, thank you again, Forrest and Bird and NPR, for this story today. Now, back to the hardcore serious shit. Unfortunately, CNBC.com has this headline, It's time to come home. Acting Pentagon chief wants to end America's wars in the Middle East. In his first message to U.S. military forces, acting Pentagon chief Chris Miller said it's time to end America's wars in the Middle East. We met the challenge. We gave it our all. Now it's our time to come home, Miller wrote. Now, 
I'm going to translate, decode this from statism for just a second here. We met the challenge. We gave it our all. Really? No, we didn't. And I know we got a lot of vets in the audience, as with any libertarian podcast, with our production team as well, with our executive producer here, CJ, being a combat veteran himself. Oh, as well as yours truly. Uh, yeah, I was in Fallujah in 2004, and and I you know was active with the Rock Veterans Against the War. I I always when people go, oh well, you know you were there, oh, you were there, and I like I like to quote Ron Paul, who said in his criticism of the Iraq War, you don't have to go to Iraq to read the Constitution, as in to know from our basic principles supposedly enshrined in this document, even though it was the product of an illegal coup, that there's supposed to be a check on the government's power of war where it needs to be declared as a state of war initiated by an aggressor, not us, supposedly, right, not the U.S., to make it a legitimate war. But when people say, well, you were there, Adam, what do we have to learn from your experience? How many veterans does it take to screw in a light bulb? (laughs) You would have known. You were there, man. And when, when I look at this, and I, and I know all of my fellow veterans will, will back me on this. We met the challenge. We gave it our all. Yeah, we as individual suckers who fell for the lies and the bullshit behind these invasions and occupations. Yeah, we we gave it our all. I mean, I did. And, and I know that uh, when, when you take America's, I don't want to say best and brightest necessarily, but most of I think the best we're able to see through the racket. But those most willing to serve <clears throat> and put our lives on the line to defend this country, those of us who joined with honest intent and fell for the racket, um, yeah, we gave it our all. Yeah, I, I was there. Uh, um, when you hear this invoked in terms of policy, though, this is really what, – what Miller is doing here is, is – fucking shitty. And I hope every veteran in America can see this and can see through this. We met the challenge. We gave it our all. Now it's time to come home. There's a deliberate confusion, a a conflating, a a, a transposition, a a propagandistic manipulation by talking about policy as if he's thinking about policy and using your personal emotional experience, using the fact that you did give it your all that a lot of Marines and soldiers and sailors and airmen on the ground, Coasties, I don't know, were there Coasties in combat in the global war on terror? But for all of those of us who were there as, as boots on the ground, who really not only willingly but enthusiastically and with honorable intent went out, we put our lives on the line for what we believed in and found out that those were lies. Yeah, we gave it our all. We met the challenge. We, we, we answered the call. We served what we thought was the American people. And found out the hard way that we were really serving bangers, politicians, and war profiteers. So now, with that being said, is like the code to see behind this. We gave it our all. Let's think about that for a second in policy terms. We met the challenge. We gave it our all, didn't we? Anything to the rules of engagement, you know, preventing. Is this like in Vietnam? Well, I didn't. The problem is they didn't let us really just kill all the bad guys fast enough. Yeah, because the war was designed not to be won as a as a war, but to be continued to be perpetuated as an occupation. 
as I say, and this is something I will say, please listen to the vets, learn from our experience, and, and, and in mind, we made enemies faster than we could kill them. And you step back, you look at it, the policy was designed that way. Do we give it our all? No. No, 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 not even close. We could have deployed more troops. There could have been more decisive action. There could have been a victory, and, you know, we could have, well, hell, we could have declared victory and pulled out a long time ago. Uh, so this, this, why? And you think, Adam, 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 come on. This is, this is, look back to the headline. Adam, back to the headline, CNBC. Acting Pentagon chief wants to end America's wars in the Middle East. Okay, first of all, I got to look at it. It's time to come home. Propaganda like this only works because most Americans have a mainstream media-induced short-term memory about current uh, events and, and, and the propaganda narrative. And this is why it's so important for us to, to do this with Adam versus the man, to step back, take a little historical perspective. I mean, heck, even on COVID. <laughs> Remember flatten the curve? Remember all the, two million Americans are going to die? You know, no. So even with this, just how many times have we heard Hey, we were told in some ways, again, as, as libertarians, but just in Republicans, people in general who are sick of, of these ongoing occupations to enrich the military-industrial complex. Oh, yeah. We've heard this before. We, we vote for Donald Trump because Donald Trump thinks, wants to end, oh, excuse me, let me use the language from the headline. You gotta vote for Donald Trump because Donald Trump wants to end America's wars in the Middle East. It's time to come home. Could have just as well come from Trump four freaking years ago in the run up to the 2016 election. His campaign there, he was the anti war, anti military action occupation president. So, first of all, you can't trust this on its face. Does the acting Pentagon chief want to end the wars in the Middle East and bring all the troops home? Or does he want you to think that that's what he wants? And this is, you know, oh, well, we couldn't do, we couldn't, we couldn't do what you elected us to do because he didn't give us enough power, give us more power, and then we'll do it. Right, okay, okay. Now, there, there, there are a couple other, you know, layers that I have to point out to this story because, Again, who profits? Keep on with the military-industrial complex. The next bullet point on this headline, the wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria have cost the U.S. taxpayers more than $1.57 trillion since September 11, 2001, according to a Defense Department report. Now, that's not factoring in so many, so many, so many other costs. And I think this is one of the bullshit ones in general. Anyway, I've seen... Uh, estimates when you look at the the actual total cost of, of of the war in the ten plus trillion range, you know what's what's a, what's a what's a trillion? That's that's a thousand billion. What's a billion? A thousand million. What's a million? A number whose value in terms of U.S. dollars you can just barely wrap your head around it and connect to your life. So multiply that times a million, a million, million. That's that's a trillion. It's a lot. It, the, the, and, and when you when you can look at this, the loss of value, not just to America, but to humanity. Money spent on war, and, and if I was being hyperbolic, death and destruction. But no, certainly occupations, militarism, exploitation, 
that could go to meeting human needs. I mean, that's as a libertarian, that's why my heart breaks with stories like this. When, when, when you have to step back and look at the scope of the cost and the destructiveness of this and go, these are people who have perpetrated this. This guy didn't come out of nowhere. However, we have to also put this in context of the immediate election wrangling because this guy was appointed after the election. This is a lame duck representative for President Trump. What's he going to do? Is he going to stay on? How much does, does, does the uh, political appointee class actually set policy instead of the, the deep state and the military-industrial complex? I mean, that's what's more important here. So, in his first message to U.S. military forces, acting Pentagon chief Chris Miller said he was weary of war. It was time to end America's conflicts in the Middle East. Is he weary of it? Did he fight? Did he go? Has, has he been on multiple deployments? He's sick of watching it. He's seeing the pain himself. No, no. He's, he's, you don't get to a position like this without the blessing of the military-industrial complex. He goes on, quote, uh, as, he, as he wrote in an early Saturday morning message to DOD employees, Indeed, this fight has been long. Our sacrifices have been enormous, and many are weary of war. I'm one of them. But this is the critical phase in which we transition our efforts from a leadership to supporting role. I think we've heard different versions of that over the years. Right? Even, even when I was there in 2004, oh yeah, well we're not, we need, we're, we're, we're handing over power to the Iraqi government. Remember the peace, the purple fingers, I voted. Yeah, instead of stickers in, in the Middle East, they got their, their fingers dipped in ink in order to show that, that they had voted so they couldn't commit fraud and vote again. Um, and he added, we are not a people of perpetual war. It is the antithesis of everything for which we stand, for which our ancestors fought all wars must end. He, uh, he added right in the U.S. quote, on the verge of defeating Al-Qaeda and its associates. We met the challenge we gave it our own now it's time to come home. <laughs> We've almost defeated Al-Qaeda. We're not even, Al-Qaeda, that's, that's so last generation's boogeyman. It's ISIS you're supposed to be afraid of now, silly. Keep up. So when I, when I hear this, there is a certain positive encouragement in that, well, this is the new flavor of propaganda, anti-war pandering. Is this meaningful? Who knows? Because what's, what's, if there is something behind this that's meaningful and, and, and positive, it, it's... It, and it could be, it could be, it could be real. Like it could be, this could be genuine. I don't, I don't mean that it's impossible. That there's, there's no weight to this. That it's just going to uh, be another fart in the wind of propaganda just now, uh, with a subtle buried slap in the face to uh, to any veterans of the global war on terror, of terror. Uh, but if this is positive, what, what does it represent? Perhaps a shifting in, in the superclass where, where this is the mechanism. And, and this is my hope. You know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not just some cynical libertarian looking at everything calling bullshit and going, oh, this is terrible, this is silly, um, or that it's nothing but meaningless propaganda. But if this is a, a significant statement that, that – that, will result in any significant change, it means that uh, we the people have actually put enough 
uh, weight behind being anti-war and, and speaking out against you know the, the, these bullshit wars based on lies, and, and they always are. Uh, war is always a, a lie. War is a racket, as we learned from Major General of the Marine Corps, Smedley Butler. And I, I really am encouraged. I really am encouraged that uh, the propaganda, at, at least, has gotten this much uh, in, in the anti-war realm. Now, whether Miller deserves credit as being well-intentioned as the man of peace, or he's, he's really serving the long-term interests of the military-industrial complex by tapping on the brakes a little bit right now, then eh, either way, um, I'm, I'm going to take this as positive news. There is, but it's not, it could, it, it could, <laughs> it could always be a, simply a shifting of resources away from uh, militarism that weakens the credibility of the entire system to that which strengthens it and doesn't lessen the overall viciousness, which is why we go to our next story for that possibility from spacenews.com. And I got to say here, there there's some bad news and then there's some bad news. Marine Corps, hurrah, stands up space unit at Offutt Air Force Base. Wait a second. Didn't we just get a whole new branch of the military called Space Force? Why do we need a space command within the Marines? It may be that the shifting of what is the most effective ripoff through the military-industrial complex is no longer fighting wars of occupation in the Middle East, but just setting up new commands and offices and 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 patrolling outer space, right? So Major General Matthew Glavy will be dual-hatted as the commander of Marine Corps Forces Cyberspace Command and Marine Corps Forces Space Command. And I, I actually missed that on my first reading of the story here. Cyberspace Command and Space Command. Inner space and outer space. Same dude within the Marines. But don't worry, they'll 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 soon find someone else who they can appoint and elevate and, and pay more and create more authority with to justify more more spending overall. The United States Marine Corps activated a new unit called Marine Corps Forces Space Command as a subordinate organization to US Space Command. The service announced November thirteenth. Major General Matthew Blabby will be dual headed is the commander, blah, 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 blah. The new, the new space organization is located off at Air Force Base, Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, Nebraska. Marine Corps Force Cyberspace Command is headquartered at Fort Meade, Maryland. The two units will remain separate as distinct commands, although they will be run by a single commander. Space and cyber are critical capabilities in the information environment that, when brought together, can provide a competitive advantage, Lady said in a statement. Marine Corps Forces Space Command will rely on space experts who previously supported Marine Corps Forces Strategic Command under U.S. Strategic Command. U.S. Okay, so now we get into the acronyms. U.S. Stratcom's space functions were moved to U.S. Space Command when the Space Unified Combatant Command was established August 29, 2019. Glavy reports to the commander of U.S. Space Command, General James Dickinson. The U.S. Space Force and Army are the primary providers of forces to the Space Combatant Command, but as the command grows, there will be more Navy and Marine Corps members also supporting U.S. Space Command. And I know 
that the mainstream media and the propaganda around this has created the fantasies of U.S. troops floating around space with freaking laser guns and commanding starships and TIE fighters and it's like Star Wars and lightsabers and who knows, like, who knows what other fantasies they've built into this, but the reality is that right now this is a primarily bureaucratic move. How many troops has Space Force put into space? Zero as far as I know. How many have they, how many have they sat down in cushy billets in new offices? Certainly a lot more uh, than America has sent into space at all. Uh, all together. Um, are we... I thought, hey, Sam, was that... Was that just a vacuum and now there's construction going on too? It's, we're, by the way, we're in Pacific time. This is, a, this is not... Uh, it's, it's only 10.30 here. This is, this is kind of obnoxious. I hope it's not bothering anybody. Yeah. Well, when was this the, well, the vacuuming pad? Like, they, they did the hallway. And by the way, we have someone come into our room this morning like they didn't know it was occupied, even though it was locked. Yeah. Good thing I was dressed. <laughs> Could have been a weirder scene to walk in on here. All right. So we, we do have a couple more uh, uh, international headlines and then a big grab bag. But we want to get to our comments, check in with Mercedes. But first, a couple more major ones here. TheDiplomat.com. The world is falling for China's Hong Kong trap. With the national security law, the CCP created for itself the perfect opportunity to pit China against foreign hostile forces. The Chinese leadership's decision to introduce national security legislation in Hong Kong has attracted global attention and condemnation. This move was unsurprising as the Chinese Communist Party has been trying to tighten control of the autonomous city over the past years, and the lack of national security law has been a sore spot for almost two decades. Yet it was also unexpected. It came at a moment when, as the report, holy shit, there's no way the mic's not picking up that noise. Sam, Sam, what, what is that? Is it, that is something else. Do you, can you go check on, like, if, if that's just construction or if that, yeah, but we'll uh, I don't know. I have to leave the door open. I don't think that's too good. Why not? Check out. We're not even a checkout. Checkouts. Oh, wow. Yeah. Don't worry, everybody. I timed the show. I'm I'm responsible here. But this is this is a little weird. Uh, anything behind us? I don't know. Um. But yeah, let's see. Is there, are there any more comments that producers love us anyway? Is there a mic picking up on this? This is like really weird noise. I hope everybody. I'm not trying to uh, play this off or ignore it. All right. But we are. We are, this does bring us back to our thing. Um, all right, now we got comments. Um, see, this is, he hears nothing. Wow. What? Then it's just distracting me. That is really cool. Okay, th this mic, this, this mic right, right here, freaking awesome. Good to know that we can, we can sit here. There's, there's construction noise, there's vacuuming, there's drilling, there's banging. And if this mic is, is filtering all of that out, holy crap, that's awesome. We're going to sound really good when we get back to the studio and get some sound foam up. But, yeah, this is this is really weird distracting for me. All right. So, um, hey, babe, any, uh, what, did they say anything? No one, like, I don't think 
like out in the hallway, honey. They're getting it from above. There's plates of this feeling this thing and wires exposed. Well, that's cr- so. Sam and I are like wigging out on all this here, and apparently no one can hear it. Our, this microphone oh. is really good. Oh, yeah, is that nice? It's nice to know. Yeah. All right, but yeah, back to back to our international news. <clears throat> um, it was also unexpected. It came at a moment when the report of a well-known think tank with ties to the country's Ministry of State Security described <laughs> China. <laughs> I'm looking at Sam responding. Okay. No, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up on time. Don't worry, we're gonna get on the road again. But all right, uh, China faces the most difficult geopolitical environment since 1989 with anti-China sentiment at its highest. Introducing national security legislation in Hong Kong less than a year after massive protests and a resounding electoral defeat just four months before legislative council elections. All while the COVID-19 pandemic has focused the world's attention and criticism on China. Countries everywhere are rethinking their China policies and exploring how to shorten supply chains in the United States government. Is hitting China in almost every way it can makes no sense. Chinese leaders certainly understood that such a move would be bad for their country from a diplomatic, geopolitical, or economic point of view, yet they did it anyway. Why? Because, according to the diplomat, while bad for China, it makes a lot of sense politically for the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Xi Jinping and the current leadership, for example, party leaders have already been warned, sometimes publicly, by a prominent Chinese international relations expert about the risks and dangers of the rising trend of aggressive diplomacy. Yet even when they saw the negative consequences unfolding before their eyes, they still didn't abandon this aggressive style. The general view outside of China is that this policy has been adopted largely to stoke Chinese nationalism and show up support for the party regardless of its damage to China. Unfortunately, other Chinese actions are judged strictly from a realist foreign policy perspective without paying enough attention to domestic pressures, party dynamics, and political motivations, which are sometimes more prominent in Beijing than in other democratic capitals. This raises the worrying possibility that introducing the national security law now, as opposed to sometime later, isn't so much about Hong Kong but about Beijing, if we accept that Xi and CCP leaders were aware of the blowback their Hong Kong decision would generate, then one of their main reasons for taking this decision now could have been specifically to strengthen the party's domestic image and popularity while generating foreign attacks on China, which will increase nationalism. Wow! Think about that for a second. Now, when I, I don't pretend to be any kind of expert on Asian Near East, Middle East, Far East politics. But it is worth pointing out that there is a significant cultural difference, a political cultural difference. And some people would, would say, you know, get into the racial, racial racist potential uh, of raising this issue. And, you know, does, does the, is there something genetic about, about Asians that, that leads them to think differently about politics or have a more uh, collectivist, obedient mindset? I, I don't know. Can you prove? Do you even prove it? I think it's silly to uh, accuse genetics of being responsible when we see uh, people of, of a variety of ethnicities have fallen for the uh, swan song of tyranny and have uh, gone through phases like, uh, like you know, of, of different flavors of statism. Um, as Mercedes points out, it's called social conditioning. Yes, yes. And, and it, 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 if there could be a biological, genetic, ethnic, cultural 
component to this that makes it possible. But really, what's what's important to, to keep first and foremost in, in, in our analysis of this is that the people of China have become victims of a particularly vicious kind of government. Not that they haven't throughout their history. Uh, but when we look at this today, you go, oh, that's what they're doing. We, we kind of take for granted that everybody in China kind of thinks like everybody in the United States, politically, culturally, and that's definitely not the case. And you go, oh, okay, okay, so given, given my limited background, my understanding of what's going on in China, okay, yeah, this could simply be explained by the fact that the people of China have a fundamentally different way of just looking at politics and, and other people in general, and that this is how they are being manipulated. This is a plausible story. This is a great theory. So I want to say, you know, thank you to the diplomat for putting this out here. But I want to take it like another level deeper here. Um, I mean, there's one thing. I just this story doesn't mat- mention. I mean, I'm just kind of double checking here. Um, anything about the Chinese government's suppression? of the Uyghur population and uh, Muslims within the, the, the borders of China. If the rest of the world, because there's not, there's, not, there's not so much an international component to that, right? There's a huge uh, civil rights violating, uh, a series of violations in the persecution of the Uyghur population in uh, northern China. And what we see there is something that if, if, if everything else, it, it's disgusting. It is forced uh, re-education, detention on, on you know, baseless grounds. Um, so CJ says that we want to get back to the story uh, for the last paragraph of this. And I'm, 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 I'm getting to that. But let me just, I just want to finish pointing out that uh, you can go one layer deeper and say maybe, maybe, this is all a distraction because when China, when Beijing, China's capital, is the, and that, by the way, that's, that's a really bad. I, I need, I, I, even I'm not versed enough in the subject to use the best anti-statist language in this because it's like when they say Washington referring to the American federal government, right? So when I say I, I said Beijing, there is, and when Beijing goes after Hong Kong, they sort of know when the, when the Chinese Communist Party-run government goes after Hong Kong. There's a huge positive propaganda effect that they get strengthening the party domestically that you might not appreciate if you don't really get that analysis of how people in China think as a result of their collectivism for whatever reason is behind that. And if, if you think about that, uh, divert, you know, the, even that might be a diversion because when Beijing goes after Hong Kong, air quotes, there's an international component that's a huge other distraction. If, if people, uh, if, if other governments around the world are going, oh, well, we're not so sure about the Uyghur thing. We were kind of trying to ignore that anyway. But, oh, we can be critical of China about, about Hong Kong. Maybe that's all being held out as fake. So the last paragraph of the story from The Diplomat. Fighting for freedom is important in the struggle for global supremacy between the United States and China. But if the Chinese people end up seeing Hong Kong through a purely nationalist lens, it will only sabotage the larger fight for freedom in China. Foreign governments, even Hong Kong protesters, 
have to take all these nuances into account when deciding the next steps. They must think carefully about how to counter CCP propaganda and break its monopoly on shaping the domestic narrative. If not, the United States and the West might end up unintentionally helping Xi and the party while still losing Hong Kong. Now, one of the things that I, I often see is criticism of, of Chinese culture and manufacturing cheap goods coming to the United States, right? That there's a kind of you know, pollution in China, that there is a, a short-sightedness. And, and, and it is worth pointing out that there is a distinct way in which Chinese culture, the, the, the paradigm, is short-sighted, but in some ways very much more long-term, multi-generational planning in, in uh, some of these things. And so there could be a multi-generational propaganda effort here as well to say let's let's make sure that we hold on to our core base of the Chinese population and in, 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 in cultivate that nationalism there, and that's the longer-term benefit for the Chinese superclass. So uh, another headline we're getting here in, in the Producers Club, um, Moderna says its coronavirus vaccine is 94.5% effective so far. Yeah, that's in our big pile of headlines today. But this thing about the China story and Hong Kong and the Uyghurs and having that bigger perspective on, on the, 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 the layers and layers of propaganda that might exist here and layers of motivations that are definitely affecting things. Back to the theme of today's show, make your own reality. This is the reality that the Chinese government is trying to cultivate for its people. So if you bring that back, and I don't think I know we have an international audience, we have members of our producers club in uh, in Great Britain as well as Germany, the old empires. Uh, I don't think we have any in, in Asia right now. Probably, hopefully, in our in our broader audience. But uh, sort of bring that back to the the Western perspective or the American perspective for a second here. You think when it comes to vaccines and the corona, understanding the coronavirus phenomenon. As I've said, a conspiracy of conspiracies. There are a lot of people conspiring to come together with different motivations to promote this virus as uh, as a big threat. And some of them might, and, and remember, we've covered this is very important in understanding how the numbers were originally perceived, reported on, and manipulated by the Chinese government and all of their motivations very early on in this crisis. And if, again, we, the people, have to write the history, not the governments, in order to make sure that the manipulation doesn't continue, that we get to change things institutionally. So, again, I would turn this to the comments. We're going to come back to the comments in a second, but there's at least one big other economic headline. i got to get out of the way to do my responsibility before we get to skimming. And uh, so we will get to Mercedes in the comments in just a couple minutes. The next headline from The Thiger 15 Asia, excuse me, 15 Asia Pacific countries from the world's LARP to the end of the episode, and I'm way too distracted to even read headlines. 15 Asia Pacific countries form the world's largest trade bloc, the great RCEP reset from the Thiger. Uh, after eight grueling years, of negotiation, 15 countries have signed onto the largest free trade bloc in history. In a joint statement, the leaders of the country's signatories of the trade deal say RCEP, Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, will form a crucial part of economic recovery once the pandemic is over. 
The deal excludes the United States, which withdrew from a rival Asia-Pacific trade pact three years ago. President Donald Trump pulled his country out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership in 2017. That deal would have involved would have involved 12 countries and was supported by Mr. Trump's predecessor, Barack Obama, as a way to counter China's surging power in the region. Now, the leaders of China, Australia, Japan, New Zealand, South Korea, and the 10 ASEAN nations have signed the Free Trade Agreement, which covers 2.2 billion people and 30% of the world's economic output. The new free trade bloc will be bigger than both the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement and the European Union. Now, African Union, I don't know how it compares to that uh, or, or that relative competitiveness. But what we see here is a, a, a pretty huge story and one that I'm seeing as significantly underreported, which is kind of, kind of surprising. You, you, you would think with something like this, at this point, they would want, you know, blaring propaganda headlines to get people to see themselves as, Europeans, not members of that other little nation, but they're, they're not quite there yet with this. Uh, th this economic partnership, again, the RCEP, Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, is not quite at the scale of nationalism, identity-forming propaganda that we saw from the European Union, the specter of the African Union. Uh, they're certainly not at that point yet. So when I, I see this coming together and, and sort of relatively quietly, I mean, who knows, if you want to do a survey of the news, and are people really giving this the appropriate uh, coverage that it deserves? Um, I don't know. Time will tell. It's not like it's an urgent, critical story. Um, and just just to, to, to tell you the, the other countries, make sure we get all of them here, um, China, South Korea, Japan, Myanmar, Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, Philippines, Iran, Malaysia, Singapore, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, Australia, and New Zealand are all part of this Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, RCEP. I'm sure they've got some cooler way of pronouncing it, and it sounds better for local languages. So, at commentary on this, uh, Analysts hail the RCEP agreement, saying that it's flexible enough to stretch to fit the disparate needs of member countries as diverse as Australia, blah, 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 blah. But the agreement doesn't establish unified standards on labor and the environment or force countries to open services in other vulnerable areas of their economies. So this is not the forming of, of a union, a new supernation, but a partnership that is a huge step in that direction. This general consolidation of economic power we have seen referred to as the Great Reset around Corona, but this is something that was in the years or in the works for years well before Corona, but something that now Corona has uh, allowed them to accelerate, and that is uh, a pretty significant sign that I think would bolster the general fear mongering of libertarians when we want to look at the consolidation of power pessimistically and say, oh shit. Uh, this is something that's happening that's growing that we got to look out for. But at the same time, this is uh, perhaps the consolidated economic power fighting a losing battle against decentralization, against cryptocurrency, against the power of the Internet to empower us all to act autonomously and make decisions based on an understanding of the market that we are surrounded by, which we are connected to globally now like never before. So the manipulation of these lines, of these agreements between nations, 
uh, it's certainly more super class manipulation than anything. And as to the potential for an Asian union or something that comes out of this RCEP partnership, uh, maybe there's some good, maybe there's some bad in, in the long-term development. But right now what we're seeing is clearly uh, a kind of economic manipulation taking advantage of the, uh, the situation that people find ourselves in. Uh, they're hugely disadvantaged and desperate with Corona. This is happening in the United States as well. We got we got a big uh, Corona block. We could breeze through here, but one other economic thing to tack on: musical instrument retailer Guitar Center to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. All right, with that, let's check in on the uh, comments. Mercedes, what do we have in terms of? Let's see, do we do? Is, are people in the audience saying anything insightful and intelligent today? They usually are. Um, we have don't be don't be afraid of saying spaceships need space marines. <laughs> Going back to the marines. What's the uh, what's the best movie reference to that? Is it Starship Starship, Starship Troopers that has space marines or is it Spaceballs? Aliens? Alien? I don't know. The Granny Weaver was a marine, wasn't she? I have no idea. Did they have dog tags in that one? Not a clue. Avatar. Avatar. That's it, Avatar, Space Marines. Actually, yes, Space Marines are in Avatar. Are they trying to tell us something? Without Space Marines, who will oppress alien species? Who will protect us from the higher intelligence of outer extraterrestrial beings that can clearly travel through space and time? Um, thank you, CJ. Yeah. All right, Mercedes. Before before I get through this last block of headlines to breeze yeah. through, tell me we have yeah. CJ loves geeking out on this stuff. I know. So this, um, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. See, when we're done taking over government, what am I going to do? I, I like to say I'm going to garden and build cool stuff and make babies and uh, oh, but no. I'm really. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna become a science fiction fan nerd, like, like I was meant to be. Uh, so but all right. Now. Science fiction. <laughs> Start writing science fiction. Um, so yeah, uh, there's <laughs> it, the comment sections are kind of dried up about ten minutes ago. Hold, hold on just a second, Sam. There was someone at the door. I just heard knocking. Can you? Oh, uh oh. Uh-oh. Tell them we'll be out of here. By eleven. Two minutes. Three minutes. This is this is weird hotel stuff. I don't know if they're complaining about. You think about at eleven? So in two minutes. Yeah. Oh my God! We have a fan eavesdropping. All right. Hey, what's happening? Hold on. Hey, what's your name? Veronica. Veronica, nice to meet you. Yeah. Hey. Give me just a few minutes. We're going to wrap up the show. If you want to sit down and, and listen in for the last okay. bit, we'll catch up in a bit. I got a couple more to say. Come see me before you guys head out. All right. Okay? All right. We'll do. Appreciate it. My husband's going to be so <laughs> oh. He listens to David every morning religiously. You have like 6 o'clock. got to get on there and watch David. <laughs> well, thank you, dude. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Oh, will do. Thanks for saying hi. You're welcome. Woo, how about that time? I guess I guess we're not in too much of a rush to like scramble. So Sam's like, God damn it. See, okay, so Sam and I have been 
physically apart for a, a couple of weeks here. And now we're traveling together. It's not like we're just at home. And now she's like, God damn it, Adam's going to get an ego about it and think he can get away with anything in hotels and restaurants. And, yeah. All right. Oh, this is the first time that I've been doing any kind of significant traveling since the start of COVID, really. Like, what, I mean, I've, I've been to L.A. and back. And, How's it feel but, to be outside of the garden, Adam? Yeah, it's it's weird. Thanks for the perspective here, but it, but this is this is I I, I want to reassure people because you know if you're watching this live and you go, oh my god, there's three people watching the Adam versus the Manager. I don't know how many there's are watching. Nine, actually, nine. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, but that's on that's on one platform. We don't because we're on three platforms at least, right? Um, but the thing is, like, I, one of one of the favorite. I've, I've been called an activist, activist, and an underground hero. And the underground part, it's like. There are a lot more people who see this than they want you to believe in the number. And it's weird. It's weird being shadow banned. We and, were just and, talking and about that this morning. Like, the numbers themselves aren't even real. And and I know this sounds silly, but I want to share this because it happened in the middle of the show. I think I think God is speaking to me right now. He <laughs> you know, wants me to tell you that. He wants me to pause for a second because now this is a this is this is something that I think all libertarians need to take. And by the way, perfect dovetail with the theme of today's show, make your own reality, right? At some point, you have to get out from behind the screen and the keyboard, and you have to go out and interact with other human beings. Mm-hmm. And while my experience is that I go, how, how am I so recognized in public when my numbers are so low right now? Like, how is this still a thing? But, but we go out, and Sam, Sam has been, you know, with me being recognized by strangers in public a lot. And, and she that's says, I'm here. Yeah, that's right. but it, and that's how and it's I, here where I'm at, though, too. It, it's so, it's such a weird contrast to when I go online. And I've, I've been, you know, kind of tunnel vision to my online reality. And I, I hope that everybody appreciates And when we get back from our week off, and, and we're, we're doing the show for a week on the road, we're going to take a week off for Thanksgiving. That we're going to come back with a a renewed perspective, better grounded in reality as a result of that experience. And part of it is just feeding my ego when it's starving and going, all right, random stranger at the hotel goes, I recognize you. And I hear that. My ego only starves when when I'm not with Sam, when I don't feel her love. That's the only time that I feel like I'm, I'm emotionally starved is when I don't feel her love every day. It's not but the fan the fan thing, like I get it, she doesn't like it, and there's reasons that it's it's it but I I love, you know, being appreciated for doing what I do and what's most important to me. And so when someone says you're it's not her work, okay. I understand that though. I understand that. I get her point of view. I it's do. better than it's better than uh, confirmation of impotence. Right? To, to, be, to be confirmed. I'm too private when it comes to my family. Like, I I try to keep my family out of the spotlight as much as possible so that when we go out, they don't know who my family is. Like, I am super private with my family. I'm well, like, if Sam, you get to Cora, it's a treat. <laughs> Samantha has ambitions of her own with, with her activism. With uh, I also almost hyphenated my last name. Because sex workers. Anyway. Sex workers' rights. 
sex workers, sex workers work. Yeah, I'm 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 waiting to see you guys get into this on air, Mercedes and Sam. That's going to be a fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. All right. So all right. So back. Let's let's, let's wrap this hey, up. We are. We should talk about how we could go to AdamVersusTheMan.com in Patreon, <laughs> and you can support us in our conversations, so that we can keep getting into libertarian policies in the real world, so that we can keep the battle for the internet going. CJ, thank you. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. You can support us at different levels. I know our store has a whole bunch of cool things, you know, like that knot, face mask, uh, the hats, the <laughs> fanny packs. I really want a freaking fanny pack and a beanie. That would be it for you. Um, and then also Cigar Federation, you know, getting your CBD nugs in using all the promo codes that you get from being a producer. That's Patreon, you know, cigars. Have not seen one, have not tried one. How are they? Oh, they're amazing. And uh, I'm smoking on the road this week, certainly. Uh, But I want to point out, CJ says we have had 120 million impressions on YouTube since we started this, as in this version of Adam vs. the Man earlier this year. So there are at least 120 million people that know of you. That's not what impressions quite mean, CJ. (laughs) That would be nice. But it is is somewhere around that, and it's, it's weird. To you know, again, to get recognized in public and, by strangers. Yeah, and then yeah. I, I can't pick my nose while I'm driving anymore. It's I mean, like, it's America. You can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> you can do whatever you want to do. It's a free country. Uh, but no, that that is that is what YouTube says. That is. Um, oh no! So no, no, no. Okay, CJ. That's what. CJ is saying that's exactly what YouTube says, that that number is that it's people that know of you. Well, 122 million, they know that impressions can be from the same person multiple times. Uh, so there's, there's definitely, the number has to be reduced by a factor because of that. But he's saying that's what it means from the tutorials. Yes, that's an individual impression, but it's not the same. So that's, I want to go back to the audience on this theme, you know, to make your own reality, positive, negative momentum out of the election from Biden. Let's turn to the wisdom of the audience. Tell me you've got some good insights. Uh, I don't. <laughs> the, uh, unless there is a comment that says bring back National Buy Nothing Day. But other than that, as far as Biden and everybody goes, it the conversation stopped. National Buy Nothing Day? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm all about conscious consumerism, but... The, the arbitrary day of and the standard of buying nothing as opposed to buy a country be a conscientious consumer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do we need do we need a I, conscientious a consumerism, consumerism day? Consumerism day awareness day. Oh, an Adam versus the man consumerism awareness day. Hmm. But also, um, we could debate this all day long. But I'd prefer if we went to make them debate dot com. So. Yeah. Um, and because really the impressions, we don't, I don't know what they are and you don't know, but CJ sure does. So you guys could debate that. Um, if somebody wants to set that up, that'd be cool. But uh, otherwise, that's all I got, yo. All right. Thank you so much, Mercedes. Thank you for joining us today. Our last breeze through critical headlines for COVID. Uh, Wall Street Journal's COVID-19 surges. The big unknown is where people are getting infected. If we, if you don't know where, like, oh, the U.S. and Europe struggle to identify where coronavirus infections are occurring, making it harder to impose 
targeted restrictions. And you go, wait, wait a second. No, that's intentional. And I hate to refer back to the same data point, but Donald Trump ordering that the CDC conduct deliberations in secret and and, and the, the deliberate impeding of sharing of information around this so that we could understand it better. That's not by accident. That's intentional. Well, we don't know where, well, what, what kinds of businesses or activities are spreading the virus. We're just going to have to shut down everything to be safe. Oh, except for the things that we like that, 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 that we don't want to shut down. And if you think, um, you know, I'm, I'm being speculative about that. No, if you look at um, all of these headlines, and I wanted to find the one specifically about Washington State, because this is where I'm going. Um, the restrictions have exceptions. Um, this is this in there. Uh, so Washington, this is skipping ahead in the pile. CJ to uh, Reuters News Trust. Washington Governor Jay Inslee announced sweeping new restrictions on gatherings and businesses on Sunday, including a ban on indoor service at restaurants and bars to combat a recent surge in COVID-19 cases in the state. And when things get cold there, there's going to be a lot of restaurants where you'll just are going to want to eat outside anyway. Now, what are the exceptions here? Maybe I was reading a different story about this. Uh, indoor gatherings will be prohibited outside to one's household and outdoor gatherings limited to five. Religious services and in-store retail limited to 25% occupancy. Fitness gyms. Are there other kinds of gyms? Fitness gyms must hold indoor services and youth and adult sports will be restricted to outdoor uh, activities outdoors. But, okay, the, and the other story I read about this is schools and, and government offices or something were the exception. And like, really? Meanwhile, uh, Trump coronavirus advisor tells Michigan to rise up against new shutdown orders. Again, uh, snake eating its own tail, destabilization of the system, loss of confidence. I'm excited about this. On Sunday, Michigan Governor Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer announced a three-week pause to save lives closing colleges, high schools, workplaces, and in-person dining as new coronavirus cases have spiked. Now, again, the importance of being able to see through the numbers is so important from the beginning because, like we predicted, they're going to bring this back. They're going to get more tests out. You get more tests out, you get more positives. No kidding. Uh, From Breitbart, fear is the currency of control. Anti-lockdown protests erupt across the U.K. Yeah, not going down without a fight. There are protests in lots of places. Uh, New York Post new stats reveal massive New York City exodus among corona, amid coronavirus crime. Uh, again, a little backfire effect if you look at this from the perspective of the super class trying to herd everybody into cities. Now you got to be afraid of cities if you're going to use a virus or bio threat to control people. More than 300,000 New Yorkers have bailed from the Big Apple in the last eight months, new stats show. From FoxNews.com, Fauci cautions gradual return to normalcy by Second, third quarter, 2021. Yeah. Again, slowing down the expectations. Another a, uh, theme in the fear-mongering we're seeing rise up again. The Hill has this headline, Nevada Hospital Returns Parking Garage into COVID-19 Surge Unit. Pretty scary photograph there we got on screen. You can see a parking garage converted into... Uh, into uh, COVID. It looks like they put down some kind of, like, actually fancy flooring. It looks like the flooring we just put into the studio. Now that I look at that closely, like a really nice fake hardwood snap-in flooring. So it's not just uh, doing this on the open, bare garage floor. Someone's making a lot of money off of this. 
And if you recall, going back to uh, going back to February, March, I think in New York, they were doing the same thing, converting garages into COVID overflow units. That I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hashtag film your hospital. I know this is real, but it's hugely exaggerated. I never saw any of these emergency units like filled with patients. You would think if they pulled that off, that would have made headlines. Um. All right, I'll be done in just a couple minutes. So uh, I think, okay, so I told you we were going to have a Christmas story, APnews.com. Here comes Santa Claus with face masks and plexiglass. Santa Claus is coming to the mall. Just don't try to sit on his lap, despite the pandemic and the fact that Santa's age and weight put him at high risk for severe illness from the coronavirus. Mall owners are going to have plans to bring him back this year. But they are doing all they can to keep the jolly old man safe, including banning kids from sitting on his knee no matter if they've been naughty or nice. I thought Santa was magic. I, I know, okay, you look at the story. Look at, look at the photograph in this. See, do you want to get the, the – they're, they're doing like a fist bump. Santa and a couple kids through the glass, and Santa's got a separate face shield on as well. Now, the photo at the top of the story, it looks like – I can't tell if it's a really bad shadow or the kid has a black eye, or he's got just like a scar under his eye there. There's something weird. This is, I don't know. I hope I'm not being nostalgic. But I've been eating too many member berries lately. Um, but do, do you remember when, when, when Santa was magic and this wasn't a thing? All right, we're going to end up with two headlines. We're not gonna, well, Good news today. Um... 75 years ago, UNESCO was founded by the UN to promote international collaboration through education, science, and culture. Um, I don't think we're going to get into too much from the good news because we have two real good news stories to cover. The Philadelphia Inquirer, Philly City Council's formally apologized for the deadly 1985 move bombing. Philadelphia City Council voted to apologize for the move bombing 35 years ago that left 11 people dead, including five children, and burned 61 homes in West Philadelphia. Yes, this was a government bombing of civilians in an American city that was buried for years. If you don't know the story, look it up. The link will be in the notes. And finally, from space.com, NASA's next Mars rover will land in less than 100 days. Yes, even if it's government-sponsored, we can celebrate humanity at the tip of the spear pushing science forward. NASA's newest Mars car will touch down on the red planet less than 100 days from now. The Life Hunting Mars 2020 Perseverance rover, which launched on July 30, is scheduled to land inside the 28-mile-wide Jezero crater on the afternoon of February 18, 2021, just 99 days from today. That was from written uh, November 11th. The home stretch will be busy for the car-sized robot handlers. And that's all we've got for today. Thank you so much for joining us and bearing with us through some little logistical challenges here on this on-the-road version of Adam versus the Man. Peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.